0: Good morning, everyone. This is Dr. Patricia Bay, and you are tuning in to Therapy in a Nutshell, here on KCNR 96.5 FM, 1460 AM, your talk radio. Today we're going to be talking about reinventing yourself after change. And it's interesting because most of us know people who are not good at change. They resist it, they fight it, they hate it, they have wobblies about it. But Sometimes, change is inevitable. You don't have control over it. Sometimes, we are catapulted into change, and we have to just go with the flow, and then sometimes, we can plan for change coming up, and even then, I see people resisting it. So, let's look at some of the ways that I'm talking about that people have to deal with change. Death in the family, um, loss of a spouse, uh, a significant person in your life that that. Their life impacts your life, and that's the hardest kind of grief. When someone dies that is in your everyday life, it's a huge change, and and I don't mean to be facetious there, but everything you thought you knew about how you ran your life is now different. So death is huge. Divorce is another one, or loss of a relationship, and often for the same reason. The person who took up a lot of space in your life, and often decent space, good space, is gone, and you have to create a life that doesn't include that person anymore. Another one is becoming a parent, being a new mom or a new dad. um, Your marriage or your relationship goes from being just the two of you into a third edition or more, if you have more than a single baby. And becoming a parent can be a huge, huge change that you've got to reinvent yourself and how you do your life. One of the things that I see people resist a lot is creating positive change before they retire. I deal a lot with first responders, and they often resist retiring because they have no clue what they're going to do with themselves after they are no longer a police officer or a firefighter or an EMT. Um... I see this with medical professionals, too. If they're not a doctor anymore or a nurse anymore, what are they going to do with this huge chunk of time? And it's not unusual for us to hear of people who retire and die a year later. In fact, it's joked about within the first responders' professions that some cop retires and a year later dies a heart attack, or a firefighter sits around not knowing what to do, is depressed and really struggling, and gets sick and dies. So being prepared for that change coming up is partly what we're going to be talking about today. How do you reinvent yourself when change happens? Uh, Another one that people freak out about is empty nest. What do you do when your last kid is gone and the focus of your life, of being a parent, changes to how do you run your life when parenting isn't They're 40 hours a week, like a job. Your parenting has dwindled down to very little as your teenagers get older, but it's still a huge part of your life. And we're also talking about the same kind of separation anxiety that happens after death or divorce. Your kids leave the house. You're trying to figure out who you are and how your life is going to be reinvented without being a parent all day long, every day. So empty nest is huge. Also... Reinventing your relationship after a trauma, you're reinventing yourself, you're reinventing your relationship, and a trauma such as one of the partners has an affair. How do you reinvent yourself having done something that created a lot of harm and a lot of problems and do that in a way that you can feel good about yourself and not, you know, really drag yourself and your relationship down further? So... Reinventing yourself after change is necessary and important and people often resist it and they go into these changes kicking and screaming and they don't know what to do or how to reinvent themselves. So in this show today, I want to talk about this. I want to help you see how you get in your own way at times and I want to give you some skills to reinvent yourself in a positive way that makes you happy. So here's something that we can start out with. If you don't know how you would reinvent yourself at this stage in your life or with what's going on for you, stop and notice what what and who you admire. Things and people that you look at and say, wow, I want to be that person when I grow up. I wish I could do that. Um, wow, that person is so fill-in-the-blank. I wish I were like that. Those are some of the things that you long to do or have or be. Sometimes these are people that you are envious of or jealous, um, and that can be a call to consciousness for you of what you're trying to do. And we're not necessarily talking about huge, huge changes. Sometimes they're little changes. Let me give you an example. I had a client in my office who was saying, I'm so jealous of the mom's who show up with their kids, bringing them to school in the morning, and they're all put together. I keep thinking, oh, there's little Miss I put my makeup on this morning. Um, And she said, "All, all I can ever pull off is throwing on sweats and putting my hair in a messy bun and looking like I just rolled out of bed. And she said, I'm so jealous of those people that have their act together. And And she went on with this kind of tirade about they must have husbands that help more than mine. Uh, Her husband worked shift work. I forget what it was exactly. But he's always gone when I'm getting the kids to work or getting the kids off to school. So she probably these moms probably have husbands at home that are helping. And she was kind of angry and kind of jealous about it and felt really inadequate and put upon. And I said, well, what would happen if you got up and? put yourself together before you took the kids to school. And I remember she just looked at me and she said, well, I I don't have time. I can't. I just, I've tried. I, you know, she had a whole lot of I can't, I haven't. It doesn't work. It's not going to help. Uh, how would I do that? And I said, so what would it take for you to pull yourself together before you took the kids to school? It sounds like it's something that you want. You kind of covet it. You sound pretty angry and jealous of people that pull that off and do it. What would happen if you did it? And she said, well, I have to get up the first time my alarm goes off and not keep hitting the snooze button. Um, I'd have to get the kids up a little earlier so we're not racing around like chickens with our heads cut off trying to get out the door on time. I said, oh, so you'd have to organize your morning differently. And she said, yes. And I said, well, must not be real important to you of which I think I got a dirty look, but she just stared at me. And I said, when it's important enough to you, my guess is you will reorganize that morning to feel better about yourself when you take the kids to school. And she said, well, maybe. And I said, okay, so what if for 21 days, if, if you listen to my podcast, How to Make or Break a Habit, she, I said, how about for 21 days, you do it. For the next 21 school days. You get up, pull yourself together so that you feel good about yourself, and take the kids to school. And she said, well, I don't know if I can do that. And I said, what you're telling me is you don't know if you want to. And what's interesting is she actually did it. And the first, she came in like a week later and she said, oh my gosh, I have been, I started laying out my clothes the night before so that I could get up and get dressed in something that didn't look like nasty ass sweats and I could look better. And she said, I've been doing it this whole week. I started it the morning after you ragged me about it last week and I was thinking oh, I didn't really rag you, but whatever it was if that's what motivated her, that's fine. And she started doing it and she said a couple of times that she didn't and she just threw her hair in a messy bun and put on her yucky sweats. She said she felt inefficient, and like she wasn't taking care of herself. She said it felt bad. So it was cool to watch her take something that little and recognize that she could feel better about herself by changing what, one little thing that she coveted, and that was how other moms sometimes pulled themselves together. So when we come back, we're going to go to break, and I want I want to teach you how to look at your life a little bit and start doing things a little bit differently. We'll be back in a minute. Welcome back to Therapy in a Nutshell. Beautiful Native American flute music of Randy McGinnis, Native American award-winning musician played all over the world. His CDs are absolutely gorgeous. There's six of them. You can go to his website, randymcginnis.com, and listen to his music. Spotify, Pandora, Amazon, iTunes, CD Baby, everywhere music is played. Okay, we're talking about reinventing yourself after change. So I have a few questions for you to kind of ponder. Are you willing to learn? Are you willing to do things differently? Okay. how do you deal with suggestions? How do you deal with criticism, even constructive criticism? I think no one likes critical, nasty, put-you-down criticism, but how do you deal with constructive criticism when someone's trying to help you see things differently? Are you resistant? Do you get defensive? Do you pull away? Do you immediately start up with uh, why you can't or why it doesn't work or how they don't understand? Do you constantly sing a victim song? Poor me. It isn't going to work. I don't have the time or the money. I don't have anything to do what I want to do. So I want you just to be aware of those questions as we're talking about reinventing yourself. Okay? All right. So how do you own things? What is the it in your life that you can't do or can't overcome? Can you own it, that thing, and know that it's yours to either live with or change? So let's say the it that you're going to own is loneliness. You would like to change that you are lonely. Uh, Let's say that it is you would like to do something fun in your life because your life is full of got-to-do's and no want-to-do's. Let me give you an example of that. I've heard people before say, um, I want to play a musical instrument, and they pick up the guitar or they start taking piano or they do something to try and play a musical instrument, and then when they realize that it's going to take practice, and some hard work, and they start to figure out that it is about 10 years to master a musical instrument and feel proficient and professional at it. And it's 10 years of repeating the habit of practicing and learning and going to lessons or having someone teach you. But do you value that hard work? Do you want to play a musical instrument bad enough that you practice, that you step into it, that you go? Or do you say, oh, I don't have the time or the money to take piano lessons. I I can't, you know, I don't have time to practice. What do you value is what I'm asking. And are you owning it that you are in charge of your life? Or do you constantly say, I can't, I don't, I won't, I don't really want it that badly. You have to own that. You have to take responsibility for what you are owning in your life. And if what you're doing is sitting around watching Netflix all the time, drinking too much and smoking cigarettes and doing stuff and whining about how you're doing, you have to own that. I know, and that's constructive criticism. So if part of you is getting defensive right now and saying, it's not my fault. I'm tired all the time. I don't feel good. I'm. Uh, my boss doesn't understand me. I'm working too many hours. I'm in a dead-end job. I, I'm lonely. I, you know, You've got all these things that are in your way. You have to take responsibility for those. In order to begin to create change, you have to stop making excuses, and you have to be able to admit when you're wrong and say, I am creating the life that I want, because we all are. We are creating the life that we want. Where you are putting an incredible amount of your time, energy, money, you are creating your situation. Okay, so if you're blaming others in an attempt to save face, that's a way of not owning your life. You have to believe in yourself enough to know that you can do it. And if you can't, or you don't know how, or you need direction, You have to value yourself enough to reach out for help. So who do you reach out to help from? Do you get into counseling or therapy? Sure. Do you get a life coach? Maybe. Do you start reading different books than you've been reading? Like, what if all you read is romance novels or fiction, but you never read anything that actually makes you stop and think differently? Um, Really cool book on this subject is Stephen Covey's Seven Habits of Highly Successful People. And He really lays out how you create change in your life and what are the things that we see that successful people do over and over again. There are seven habits that are really uh, clearly spelled out in Stephen Covey's book. And that's the type of book you would begin to read if you wanted to create change and not just whine about what you don't like. So we have to look at what we value because that's what we spend most of our thoughts and our time on and what makes us feel the most comfortable. So if you're going to get out of your own way and start to do something differently, you have to embrace the idea of reinventing yourself. So let's say, let's go back to the first responder thing. Let's say that your retirement's coming up in a couple of years and you're dreading it, or you're thinking, maybe I'll just stay on five more years, or maybe I'll, uh, I don't know, and you start to get panicky about retiring. What I say to those people is start doing now what you want to have going when you're going to leave work and you're not going to go anymore. So if what you want to do is I'm going to have more time to go fishing, then take fly fishing lessons or start learning a new part about fishing, or start going fishing on a regular basis now, or put together your plan for when you retire, there's a big fishing trip in Alaska you're going to go on. Start making a plan that says, this is what I'm going to do when that occurs. You're visualizing how you want to reinvent yourself as a retired person, and it's it's pretty cool when you do that. So look, stop and look at what you value because what you value is where you put your time, your thought processes, your money. That's where you put you. You plop yourself down in your life with what you value. And if you want to value something else, you've got to own it that you're the one that creates what you value. And and that's that's the beginning of it. You've got to learn to get out of your own way in order to create the change that you want to have the life that you want. And to reinvent how your life's been going. So, you know, we always hear of people that, like, walked off the job and went back to school or um, got a new job or or cashed in everything they own and travel the world. Or they do something that is so brave and so, so fraught with change that we kind of go, whoa, that person is so brave. So what if you were brave is what I'm asking you. What if you got out of your own way and finally took piano lessons or uh, decided to learn how to go fishing? Um, you know, what if you got out of your own way? What could you accomplish and what would you do that makes things different for you? How would you do it? So let's look at the idea that, like what Stephen Covey said in Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, if you begin with your end in mind, with the goal in mind, then you can start to visualize a roadmap that gets you to that goal. So let's say you want to learn how to play piano and you're visualizing yourself playing a beautiful piece at a recital. Um, maybe find a piece that you want to work toward and you go into a piano lesson and you say, I eventually want to be able to play this. You've got a goal in mind and You listen to that song a lot and you recognize that's what you want to do is play that song. So you've got a goal in mind. And you've got to get out of your own way in order to do it. So there's some there's definitely some skills in doing this and I'm gonna teach you what those are when we go to break in a minute and when we come back. But what if you started now? What if you stopped waiting for that thing you're going to do when you retire? or that class you want to take to learn how to do that thing. Um, What if you started reinventing your life now so that when your kids leave, when you retire, you have something that you're excited about? What if you want to establish something that you really like doing when your kids are born that you can keep doing and get better and better at? You've got to look at who am I now and who do I want to be and get that end goal in mind. All right, when we, we're going to go to break. When we come back, I'm going to teach you some exact ways to begin to change. will be back in a minute. Welcome back. Therapy in a nutshell talking about reinventing yourself after change happens or change is is pending in your life. All right. One of the things I want you to look at as we're getting ready for me to give you some formulas about how to create change in your life, how you can reinvent yourself, I want you to take a look at your comfort zone, and I draw this out for people in my office all the time. Some people have a very narrow comfort zone about what they will do or what they like. Um, What is your comfort zone? Let's take something very concrete that we can look at. What is your comfort zone with food? What will you eat? What won't you eat? Um, What do you hate? What will you refuse to ever try? Um, How adventurous are you with food? Um, And that kind of... We'll let you look at what your comfort zone is for food. There are some people that, they, like my dad, before, he, he's, he died in 2009, but my dad ate the exact same thing for breakfast every single day of his life, a bowl of Rice Krispies and a banana. And it's what he ate. And you you couldn't get him to eat anything else. And... His comfort zone for food was very narrow. Meat and potatoes kind of guy. Ate the same thing for breakfast every day. And he was very rigid on what he would eat or not eat. And so his comfort zone was super narrow. Um, Autistic kids who have sensory issues with food have an extremely narrow comfort zone of what they will or will not eat. But what I'm asking you to do is take a look at your comfort zone with food. Now, what if I were to say to you, I want you to expand that comfort zone just a little, just a little. You're going to try a different pizza. You're going to uh, go to an Indian restaurant and try Indian food. Um, you're going to do something that you haven't done to expand your comfort zone and see how it sits with you. When we get locked into our comfort zones, we don't know how to get comfortable with being uncomfortable. And we start to defend our comfort zones with a huge amount of energy. So if you are going to reinvent yourself after a change happens, like a divorce or a baby in the family or someone dies, how are you going to reinvent yourself? You've got to look at what your comfort zone is. For example, a um, person I know uh, went through a breakup in a relationship and he says well i'm i'm really shy and I, it's hard for me to meet people and i don't really want to go join something and i said so you're going to meet someone sitting in your living room watching netflix all the time and he said no but i, I i'm scared of dating sites i've you know, been burned a couple times by that and i don't I'm not a joiner. I don't go anywhere and do anything. And I said, okay. So on one hand, you're lonely and you want a relationship. But on the other hand, you are in a comfort zone with your shyness. And he said, yeah, I guess so. I said, so what if you pushed your comfort zone just a little? And we started brainstorming what would be a small change for him to do that would make him possibly meet somebody. you got to be able to walk out your front door. He even worked from home since COVID happened, and he didn't go anywhere hardly ever. Yet he was super lonely and had a lot of love to give, wanted to be in a relationship. So you've got to push your comfort zone to make that happen. And you can't keep coming up with why you can't or you won't or you're uncomfortable. So what I'm asking you is if you're going to reinvent yourself, are you willing to get comfortable with being uncomfortable? Chew that on that for a second. Are you willing to get comfortable with being uncomfortable? And I'll tell you, it it doesn't take long for us to get comfortable. I'll give you another example. I have people that need to be going to Alcoholics Anonymous or Narcotics Anonymous and I'll say, look, you need to find a meeting that you like. And they say, oh, gosh, I just can't do that. I, I'm not good with people like that. I'd be I'd be scared. I'd be embarrassed. I'd be, I say, you know what? You've got to be willing to be uncomfortable. And it's going to take you at least three times of going before you start to feel like you know what to expect. So plan on being really uncomfortable for at least three meetings. And usually when you break it down to a bite-sized thing like that, they start to go, oh, okay. So this one guy that I was talking about who said, I'm just so shy. I said, all right, what if you went to church? He had been raised religious, had stopped going to church, but, you know, felt like I just do my own spirituality by myself. And, and I okay, so what if you found a church that matched your belief systems and you started going to church? Oh. I don't know if I can do that, I'm so shy, I'm not good with people, what if they want to hug me? <laughs> he had all these reasons, and I said, okay, what if you went three times? Could you go three times? Could you force yourself to go three times? Because I think you should plan on going and being uncomfortable for at least three times. He ended up doing it, and he ended up kind of going far more regularly to a church that he found that he felt good about, and made a few friends, um, And it's just he had to reach outside his own comfort zone to try to do something new. So we have to let go of that stuff that we say in our own head as to why we cannot. Okay, I can't do that. I won't do that. I'm scared to do that. It's uncomfortable to do that. That's not me. I don't. It's hard. I don't want to. Um, I would hate new food. I would not like to go to... Join a team or a hiking group or a church or something that gets me out of my own comfort zone and out with other people. So you've got to be able to visualize the end of it. So one of the things I said to him about is what if after three times you're more comfortable? And what if after three times you don't feel so strange walking in there? You know what to expect and where you're going to sit and you know to say hi to people and if You know, if it's a huggy kind of place and you don't want a hug, stick your hand out and shake hands. When someone's going in for a hug, stick your hand out, shake hands. You don't need to let that stop you. So eventually you would be comfortable in this place and eventually you would have friends and you would participate and you would create less loneliness for yourself. Visualize that. And he did. So it was a small change that he did, but it was a lot easier for him to accept when he knew He would be uncomfortable for at least three times. All right. So along with pushing your comfort zone is what I call a happiness check. And I've talked about this before in my other shows. A happiness check is where you stop and say, am I happy? And if the answer is no, where are you unhappy? Are you unhappy with your job, with your relationship, with the way you parent your children? Are you unhappy with your friends, your relationship? Your marriage? What are you unhappy with? You have to ask the question, and then you actually have to answer the question. Am I happy or am I not? And if the answer is no, I'm not happy, where are you unhappy? Why are you unhappy? What is it that you can do about this to create a different life for yourself? So we have to be willing to let go of where we are to get to somewhere new, But you can't go around unconsciously saying, I don't know what I want or what I like. I just know I'm unhappy. You have to dig deeper than that. So if we're going to create change in our life, we have to be able to look at our life with new eyes. We've got to get out of our own way. And we have to do what we've wanted to do or need to do or have thought about doing but have never stepped into doing. So let's go back to the example of a first responder who's going to retire from a job that has taken all his or her attention, okay? So they are often addicted to adrenaline, by the way, first responders are. They have very adrenaline jobs. In fact, firefighters will tell you there's a lot of calm and nothing and nothing and nothing, and then, oh, my God, there's a fire. So they go from pretty calm and pretty sedate to adrenaline, and they start to realize that what if they're not going to have that adrenaline rush when they retire, and what am I going to do with my time, and how am I going to keep from just sitting in the recliner drinking beer and watching TV and dying in a year? I want to reinvent my life so there are other things that give me what I need. So you stop and look at what is it that you like about your job when you're getting scared about retiring. Maybe you like the people, maybe you like the adrenaline rush, uh, maybe you like having some place to go to on a regular basis. So figure out what is it that you like about your job and what is it that you want to recreate in retirement. Because if what you recreate, what you create in your life for retirement is sitting in a chair drinking beer, watching Netflix, you're not going to have the things that you enjoyed At your work. Now, the idea too with retirement is create what you love and create just a small amount of it. You don't have to go somewhere forty hours a week or eighty hours a week, or you don't need to have an adrenaline rush all the time. Recreate what you love about it and recreate it in much smaller amounts. Because one of the joys of being retired is you don't have to be tired all the time. Okay, so retired basically should say, untired. When you retire from your job, you get to get untired and create a life that does that for yourself. So even talking about this right now, there are people listening that are going, hey, yeah, I maybe could create something that I could retire into. So let's look at another thing that you might need to reinvent. You're becoming a parent, and your relationship goes from just the two of you where you could stay up all night if you wanted. You could go somewhere at the drop of a hat. You were not limited as much as you're going to be once there's that new baby. So how can you create things in your life that you will love that are like what you do now without children? And you get ready to do that and you make it happen so that you can go into that once the baby's born. And people people sometimes get really unrealistic expectations when they have new babies. They think, well, well, I'll just keep hiking all the time. Like I remember my husband and I used to go backpacking all the time. And we used to say, well, when we have kids, we'll just backpack with them. <laughs> Once we had kids, we never went backpacking again, if you want to know the truth. We just didn't because going with little kids backpacking, you got to carry them. And you have to carry your stuff, too. So it's really hard to carry a kid and carry stuff, especially when the kid's big enough to be difficult to carry, like a five-year-old or a three-year-old. Or you can you can carry him for a little bit, but you can't carry him up 20 miles of switchbacks. So it's, it's funny. You have these expectations that then when it actually happens, you go, huh, that's not going to work. So try to have reasonable expectations. Try to be ready to make it happen and start getting prepared. All right, we're going to go to break. We'll be back in a minute. Welcome back to Therapy in a Nutshell. We're talking about reinventing your life after change. So, what's the change that you've been going through? What have you been unhappy about, or what has change has been forced upon you? that you didn't have any warning about? Or are you entering into a phase in your life where you know change is coming and you're trying to plan for it? That's awesome. So that's what we're talking about. So I want to tell you how you go about creating change in your life. How do you reinvent yourself? There's five steps to change that are very concrete, and I want you to write these down. So get a pad of paper and a pen. The first thing you have to do to create change is you have to suffer, okay? And I don't say that lightly. You have to be unhappy about something. If everything is perfect in your life and you are wonderfully happy and you did a happiness check and you said, I love my life exactly how it is, I wouldn't change a thing. Okay, great, congratulations. You are one want a few people who can probably say that. But you have to suffer. Something has to be wrong. Now, if suffering is forced upon you, like in the death of a spouse or a divorce that you didn't want or uh, your job closed its doors and you lost your job, those are changes sometimes that are forced upon you and they can make you very, very unhappy. But you're suffering with that change. So in order to begin To recognize your unhappiness, you have to create awareness of your suffering. So step one in the path to change is you have to suffer. Step two is awareness. So number one, suffer. Number two, awareness. You have to have awareness of your suffering. What is not working for me? Why am I unhappy with my marriage? Why is it I don't like my job? Why am I unhappy with my health or my body or my way I do things? So the awareness of what you're suffering about is paramount. If you are blindly going through life suffering and you're kind of like, you don't even know you're suffering, (laughs) okay, but you're not going to make changes because you're not aware. Also, if you're not owning it, if you're not owning your suffering, if you're constantly blaming someone else, I'm unhappy in my marriage because my spouse is doing this or I don't like my job because I work for a really nasty boss. Whatever you're suffering with, if you're blaming it on somebody else and waiting for them to change so that you can get happy, you're not taking ownership of your life. So you have to own your suffering as your own. It's yours. You're the one that's suffering. And you're the only one who can change it. So awareness of your suffering is paramount. Then the third thing you have to do is you have to make decisions about your awareness of your suffering. So let's say you become aware that you are suffering with bad health. Let's say you're diabetic and you're not managing your diabetes very well. And... You start to become aware that your health is really declining and you're suffering with the diabetes that you have because you're not taking very good care of it. So you have decisions to make about your awarenesses about your diabetes. Now, one decision you can make is you're going to just go trotting on exactly how how you have been and you're probably going to die earlier or you're going to risk neuropathy, or losing a limb, or doing the kind of things that happen to diabetics when they can't or won't manage their diabetes. So, what's your decision? You're suffering. You're now aware of that. You can't hide from it any longer. What's your decision? Now, some people have awareness of their suffering when they get hit upside the head with a two-by-four, sometimes by their doctor, who says, look, if you don't start managing your diabetes, these are the things that can happen to you. And they list a bunch of horrible things, which are all true. And you get shaken out of your complacency, and you decide you're going to eat better, and you're going to check your blood sugar, and you're going to, you know, manage it like you should have been all along, but you didn't. So you have a wake-up call, and the wake-up call helps you make a decision to do step four, which is take action. So you take action based on the decision you made about the awareness of the suffering that's happening in your life. So step one is suffer. Step two is awareness. Step three is what decisions do you make about the awarenesses that you have about your suffering. Step four is take action. You actually have to do something. Okay, and I, I don't mean to sound facetious on that. It's, if you don't take any action, you're just going to keep doing the same thing over it again. The retired person who's just sitting in the lounge chair drinking beer and watching Netflix and wishes he was back at work with all the adrenaline stuff happening isn't going to create a different life by continuing to sit in the chair. So let's say that person is aware that he's suffering, and he says, oh, I need to start running again, or I'm, I'm going to go visit the guys at work, or I'm, I need to find something to do. I'm bored and I'm lonely. And what if he doesn't take any action for any of those thoughts? He's not going to create any change, is he? He's going to keep suffering with what he's been suffering. So stop for a minute and say, what suffering of mine Do I perpetuate by continuing to do the exact same thing all the time that is making me lonely or tired or unhealthy or scared or broke or hating my job or hating my marriage or whatever? What is the thing that you keep suffering with without making any changes? Because in order to create change, you have to suffer You have to become aware of your suffering. You have to make decisions based on that awareness and take action based on good decisions, and then you will begin to create change. Now, what if you stop the action? Well, you're going to go back to your suffering. Let's say that the the diabetic says, all right, the doctor really scared me. I'm, I'm, I'm making the decision. I'm doing this differently. And they start checking their blood sugar, and they start eating healthier, and they they're doing really, really well. And then after a while, it's a lot more fun to just eat what you want. And they don't really like checking their blood sugar because they feel like failure when their blood sugar sky high. And so they think, well, I'll, I'll check it. I'll change how I'm eating today, and I'll check it tomorrow. It'll be better. They don't want to know denial and avoidance. Huge defense mechanisms. The change that they created about their diabetes getting more managed stops and you go back to the suffering. So in order to not suffer, you've got to create change by going through all those steps. And then you have to consistently do the action in order for the change to happen. Now, do you have to be perfect? No. You have to create significant and take significant enough action in order to create enough change. Okay? Alright, so, and if you don't know what actions you should take, That's where you have to value yourself enough to reach out for help. You might find a mentor. You might go to therapy. You might pick up the right book. Uh, You might actually do what the book suggests that you do. You might talk to your doctor. There's people that you can go to when you value yourself enough to create the change that you need to get happy, to get healthy, to create change in your life, to reinvent yourself so that you like who you are so you like your life. Now, hopefully this is making sense, because what I'm talking about is you step into your life in a different way, with a, a more proactive you. You get out of your own way of the I can't. I can't do it. I don't want to do it. It's too uncomfortable. It's scary. I'm too shy. I'm not healthy enough. I don't want to. Why not? What are you suffering with? And this is what's really, really important. So, what is the it in your life that you are suffering with? I really dislike what? I'm really sad about what? I really wish that what? What is it you're wanting? Okay. All right. So, Let's look at the idea of pushing your comfort zone in relation to these five steps to change. Let's say that you figure out you are suffering with weight, the weight on your body that you probably didn't used to have, but you have now at this age. So what is your comfort zone? Where are you comfortable being with your weight? Because if you're unhappy, you've probably pushed your comfort zone. A little bit at a time. Many people know the fable of the frog in the water, right? So if if you put a, the fable goes, if you put a frog in water and you slowly turn up the heat, the frog will stay in the water until it dies, till the water's so hot it kills it. If you throw a frog in a pot of boiling water, the frog will jump right back out because it recognizes that it's going to die in there and it's getting burned. So that's what happens to us when we push our comfort zones. If we, like let's say at in your 20s, you always weighed a certain amount and you never really got over a certain weight, you had a better metabolism, you were more active, whatever. And then... You have kids, and then you get older, and your metabolism slows down a little bit, and then you 're working really hard, and you really don 't have time to do all the active things you used to do in your twenties and so your weight creeps up you 're the frog in the boiling water you 're the frog in the water getting turned up slowly, the heat getting more and more as you get more and more comfortable and your body getting bigger than it used to be and then at some point, you start to realize you 're suffering with your self esteem with your body image, with what you can and can't do, like how well do you hike now that you are 20 pounds heavier than you used to be, or 50 pounds heavier, or 100 pounds heavier? How well can you do things that you used to be able to do and you can't do now? So you're suffering with your body image or your health, and you're aware of that. How many people sit right there They even will whine about it a lot and not do anything about it? So... In order to create that change, you have to make a decision. So what pushes us to make a decision? What makes us say, I'm tired of being lonely, I'm tired of being fat, I'm tired of being unhealthy, um, I'm tired of my diabetes not being managed, um, I'm tired of my kids running the household and I don't have a backbone or I don't discipline well or consistently. I'm tired of my dog pooping in the house. I picked something. What is it you're suffering with that you're unhappy about that you just keep putting up with, not changing, not trying to do something different? You've got to define what that is in order to make a decision to do it differently. So let's say you're tired of your dog not going outside and messing in the house. And you say, I've I've got to do something different here. This is driving me nuts. Okay, what are you going to do? Are you going to watch some Netflix things? Are you going to read a book? Are you going to get a dog trainer? Are you going to talk to people that know what they're doing with dog behaviorism? What are you going to do? And if you don't do anything, it's still going to keep going. So what I'm talking about is what makes you make a decision to begin to create change. Okay? Because that decision-making process is where a lot of people get stuck and immobilized. All right. We're going to go to break. And when we come back, we're going... Oh, this... Sorry. This is the end of the show. I was thinking we have one more segment. My producer's going crazy and they're going, No, Patty, no. So I hope that you're getting the steps that create the change so that you can reinvent yourself when you've been through whatever it is you've been going through. Because life is hard, and it gets dealt to us. So, hop on the bus, Gus. Make a new plan, Stan. Let's reinvent yourself. This is Dr. Patty, Dr. Patricia Bay. And in therapy in a nutshell, I just want to help heal the world one hour at a time. Hop on the bus, Gus. You don't need to discuss much. Just drop off the keys. The news from Town Hall is brought to you on KCNR Shasta Reading by Shasta Regional Medical Center. Your life, your health, your choice, Shasta Regional Medical Center.